It's, and now you're gone. It's Chaos Monster. No. Are you back? I'm back. No, you're you're still gone. Just me by myself. No, Archie, I'm here. <laughs> She's been on two hit Nickelodeon shows and was offered $300,000 as hush money. She's a cancer and released a book that's still sold out everywhere. Today, we're discussing Jeanette McCurdy and her book with our podcast mom and listener favorite. Hey, Jessica. Hi. Welcome, Jessica. Welcome back to the chaos. Hey, no problem. It's so good to be here. I was just joking that I've come out of podcast retirement for this. So yeah, you, you Hi, welcome to Holy Swift. This is Holy Swift. Oh, no. We're tricking you into talking about Taylor now. I was really, oh, no. I was really disturbed. I just have to say, I saw someone like a post that where that I mentioned in where it talks about the like folklore string theories that I did. And so oh, it, no. it came up as if like I thought you guys had like retweeted it recently. And I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. My like folklore string theory, one of the darkest times of my life, is coming back to haunt me. <laughs> but it was That's just that someone liked it. The most unhinged thing I've ever heard of you doing. Yeah, it's the most I mean, unhinged thing. No ever. one was okay though. In July twenty twenty, like no, no one, was, one okay. was fine. I'd like to say it's the most unhinged thing. But are we okay thing. now? No. No, no, we're not okay now, but it was bad in, in July 2020. It, yeah, no, we didn't retweet it. We didn't talk about it. We haven't really talked about anything. We're um, disengaging a little. Yeah, bit. I think that's why is taking a break and disengaging. You heard it here yeah. first. Holy Swift is over. There's there's something about... <laughs> hey, quit. There's something about her behavior. Jessica is Jerry Holloway. Hallowell. <laughs> she is now joining this podcast instead. Oh, God. I know that Zara just said shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I kept going anyway. It's so funny. It's such a different dynamic than um, what I'm used to. Yeah, we, we just... I like it, though. We are unkind to each other. Actually, that's so not true. We are very nice. Archie, no. you're very nice to me most of the time, except when you're... Um, I have to. You edit it. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not, yeah. like... You can just be like, I'm having a spiral. I quit. That's true. That's true. I could. I'll be like, well, fuck. I don't even know how to upload a podcast. So you're so you're required. Monsters over. You're required to be nice to me. I hold the cards. Um, okay, so today we're going to be talking about Jeanette McCurdy's book. Um, really excited to talk about it because we've never talked about a book before, and that's probably because <laughs> we wouldn't uh, have the wherewithal or the attention span to read an entire book. But this one was a very easy read, um, despite the disturbing content. And I'm forgetting the title of the book. I always mess it up. I always say like, I'm happy my mom's dead, but I think it's, I'm glad my mom's dead. I'm glad my mom died. Oh, see, I knew I, I knew I didn't have it. Can we not make that the title of the podcast though? Cause that's going to be very awkward when I share this on Facebook. Yeah, no, that's just mean. <laughs> Um, I'll make it something else. I'm glad my mom's alive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what stuck out to you guys? What was, I don't know if anyone listening has read it. We do recommend it. There'll be spoilers. Um, we're going to be talking about Jeanette's life because that's what's in the book. And um, I thought it was really good. I agree. I thought, um, 
I read like a BuzzFeed list or something before I read the book that was like 10 takeaways or like the 10 biggest bombshells or whatever, because I didn't think I was going to read it. Um, But then I read that list and then I read the book and I was like, there's so much more in the book than what I read in that article. And she's such a good writer. Like, I feel like she did a very good job at writing about like the nuances of kind of mourning a parent who like wasn't there for you in the way they should have been but also like feeling love toward that person like it's it's a tricky thing I think to even talk about so to like write about is insane and just I don't know she really like opened up like she didn't really hold back at all which was great and yeah like you said it was a quick easy read too so it's so complex I wasn't expecting it to be so so positive about her mom um there was obviously a lot of pain around it and a lot of resentment, a lot of anger, but there was also so much, um, you know, telling the story from the beginning, which involved worshiping her and for so long, um, you know, looking up to her and, and, and taking her word as gospel. Well, I think that's the interesting thing about the book too. It kind of, you kind of see her working her way through realizing, Oh, this was abusive because a lot of people there in those situations, they don't know that they're in abusive situations until much later. Right. When it starts, when you're as, when you're born, you don't know that it's not normal. Yeah. Or like like, different aspects of it. Like she can know that it's not a good situation, but still not realize like certain things her mom did were actual abuse. Right. Yeah. Um, my air conditioning was on. Did you guys hear it? <laughs> now it's I heard I a beep. Heard now it. it's off. We have we should probably start the entire podcast. No, over. we're good. We're good. This is chaos monster. It's fine. I also am very very intrigued by like just how well the book has done because yeah, it's I didn't sold re- out right like instantly. Every, still, still, I have not seen a an actual hard copy of this book ever. Anywhere. Wow, it's sold out so fast. And is that because, like, one, iCarly was, is such a smash hit with Nickelodeon, so Jeanette is more famous than I realize, or is it the title of the book or a combination of the two? Well, that's what I'm curious about, too, because I didn't think that she was super well-known. Like, if this was Miley yeah. doing this, that would make sense. She, or even if it was, like... She's not a, a superstar by any means. No, I thought she, no. this, I don't want it to sound like, I think she's forgettable because I, I really, really like her, but like, I thought she was kind of like, a, obviously a household name just because she was on a kid's show, but like, kind of a forgettable one, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that like, she, I haven't thought about her in years. Like, I have watched some episodes of iCarly, like I, when it was on, I saw it, I knew who she was, but I have not thought about her in forever so like and i didn't think she hasn't been working really like she's kind of quit acting she hasn't been doing much. yeah she doesn't want to yeah so it's like i don't i'm also confused at how it's selling out and i do think it's like the title and like the the hype around that because it's just so in your face but also like i think some of the articles and stuff talk about how she like talks a lot about the like creator of iCarly who created a lot of shows that like our generation knows and loves. Yeah. So like getting the details on that, I think is very enticing to people. Yeah. Right. I also wonder if it's because like, I mean, really in that group of like Disney and Nickelodeon kids, she's kind of the first one to put out a tell all unless we count 
Jamie Lynn Spears, yeah. which like I'm not we going don't. to. Well, they probably all got hush money and they probably all accepted it because she talks about. But like that. even on the she Disney did. side, like I'm kind of surprised that like this is the first one we're getting. But I'm kind of hoping it opens the floodgates for more. I mean, that would oh, be yeah, amazing. And she barely talked trash about Nickelodeon. She did talk about her experience with who was it? The head of of Dan Schneider. Yeah, Dan Schneider. Yeah. What was his role? Uh, he was like the actual. He was basically like the creator of like literally everything on Nickelodeon. Yeah, he created like starting the from shows. Like all that Zoe One Hundred One, like literally every yeah show out of Nickelodeon. Yeah, he created. so he was the creator. Oh yeah, she kept referencing him as the creator, which I thought was very powerful in the in the sense of like, um, you know, the way he was probably revered as a god on set, and you had to do what. Um, when you're a young kid like you have to do what the adult in charge um and especially it's like he can make or break your role um you have to you're you're in that position of um that power dynamic that's really fucked up yeah and i think that that's like kind of a theme throughout the whole book is like all the adults in her life failed her like all the adults that were supposed to be like when you're a kid you don't really have any power like the adults are supposed to advocate for you and support you and like not treat you like shit and like all the adults in her life failed her so she had like no basis of what that relationship should be like right well to be fair though it kind of sounded like she was cut off from other adults like really all she had was like Dan Schneider, her mom, and her grandparents, yeah. and like, like she, I don't think she even mentioned another adult at all. No, well, she mentioned her, her grandparents were like fucking insane too, right? Her like, grandma seemed so mean. And, yeah, and mentally well, that's also Ill. an abuse tactic too. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. But then she, like, if she's not talking to other adults. Like, she has no way of knowing. Like, oh, some of this shit isn't normal. They kept her. Yeah, I think insulated. that's behavior. Like, yeah, like an abusive parent to like, yeah, keep you insulated so you don't really know like what's going on in other houses you know yeah you can't and it keeps you like dependent on them you can't come home and say like wait this isn't normal yeah like my friend's mom doesn't shower her until she's 17 right like Like, oh my friends are showering themselves uh yeah maybe i should be as well that was like that that of course was the the most disturbing part of the book because it I mean, for a lot of reasons, but one, it highlighted the mother's mental illness more than I realized, like up until that point, she just seems like a controlling, um, unhealthy, toxic person to have in your life. Um, and maybe a full blown narcissist, I think, but you have to be another level of mentally ill to want to shower your kids until they're you know, as long as possible. That's that's like severe mental illness. I mean, I don't even remember ever not taking a bath by myself. Right. Like because I have those, no recollection of it ever happening. Those memories should be right. from before you develop that part of your memory. Yeah. Like. You were a baby. That's why you don't remember it. But I mean, even with like forcing her to shower with her brother too like that's so fucked up and it's hard to imagine what the motivation was there i know she like was desperately trying to keep them young instead of letting them grow up but this seems like a very something else is going on it seems like a very weird way to go about that um 
Yeah. I think it's probably a combination of a lot of things. Like a lot of mental illness, obviously she probably wanted control like over every aspect, the like weird, like, Oh, Jeanette, you're my best friend. Like we're best friends. And the mom didn't have like any other adult friends. Like that's weird. And then I wonder if there was some body stuff too. Like she wanted to just check her body every day to make sure she was like staying thin and, you know, keeping, keeping up with that. Yeah. But we'll never know. Like we'll never know, but, but all of that sounds right. Um, and is stuff that Jeanette didn't even realize until she was in therapy and her therapist was like, did your mom have any other friends? And it was like, basically not. She's just a complete control freak over me and my life. She can't have friends. People who are that, that narcissistic can't really maintain, um, relationships or or borderline personality i learned recently like one of the main um characteristics of that is like if if you know someone who's who's been unable to carry out long-term friendships that's normally one hint of a sign of of um, borderline personality disorder which she totally seems to have like with the way she would attack the dad and yell at the dad and treat him yeah who isn't even the dad? Who turns out to not even be the dad, and she never told anyone yeah. that is really she's a she's a fucked up character. Wait, no, yeah. he knew. No, he knew he wasn't the dad. He knew, I know, but, but she didn't tell the know. kids. That makes me wonder, like, what his motivation was too. Like, that almost feels like he was a victim in the situation Absolutely. as well. I think he was oh, terrified God. of her and tormented by her, and who knows what she threatened him with? You know, she was she was unwell yeah that part like reading about her parents relationship was like for me just very not like super extremely relatable but like there were parts to it I related to where I only realized when I was an adult that like your parents are not supposed to like talk about their relationship issues with you a literal child yeah like they're not supposed to put that on you and I thought like that was very normal for me growing up. So like it was, there were like reading this book, I was like, there are so many realizations I've had as an adult, like nowhere near like her case of like that feeling of when you're adult realizing like that wasn't supposed to be that way. Like very much like happened throughout the book for me of just like, I know how she feels in that moment of like becoming an adult and being like, oh, my parents weren't supposed to treat me that way. I have to say the craziest thing related to this is um, so when I was two and a half years old, my sister was born and I was talking about it in therapy and I said something along the lines of like, yeah, and like since I, I was the one to cut her umbilical cord and my therapist was like, what? And I was like, oh, is that not normal? This was like four months ago. I was like- You were two and a half? I was two and a half and my parents let me cut my sister's umbilical cord. And I totally thought that was normal until like, four months ago do you do you even have a memory of doing that? i kind of do and did you do it like truly by yourself or was like an adult like holding the scissors and actually doing it and be like i'm gonna hold you in my lap and we're gonna do it together, it was like kind of no thing. they gave her the scalpel no it was like that archie <laughs> and, like still, how i just described yeah it? how you just described it and my aunt was the midwife so i'm sure she helped that's still kind of weird. That's okay, also like, weird. Okay, but Zara's from LA though, so like. Okay, but who wants a two-year-old in 
the room with them when they're giving birth. Apparently, I came in right after, but like, I don't know, was I there? Either way, it's not normal. And it also like wasn't normal that, um, like I just said, it my aunt was the midwife. So like, that's like a weird boundary too. Like that's your sister giving birth. Like, don't you guys want to hire like a professional midwife? No, I've heard of that happening a lot. Okay. I'm like dissing them, which I shouldn't be. But the last part is like, you know how also some people like will take the placenta and plant it in the front yard to like make a tree grow really healthy? No. Right. I thought that was like- I do know that. I thought that was like everyone did that. It's a really, it happens, but it's a really weird thing to do. I mean, it makes more sense than eating it. Right. Well, people eat it. Oh, God. Did your parents do that? Did they plant it? Yeah, they planted it. Is the tree still alive? Yeah. It's very tall and strong. It worked. (laughs) But I always thought- You heard it here. So I always thought there was not, my therapist was like, that is a traumatic thing to go through as a kid to cut an umbilical cord. I was like, this is brand new information. So that's, that's my, that's the extent of what I've got, but it's pretty weird. Yeah, that is pretty weird. Um, <laughs> so that's well, not I, I can ask you this on Instagram, but I was going to ask if that kind of like pervaded through your childhood. Like, were you responsible for your sister? Like, is that? Yeah. I, is this your serial killer origin story? I think <laughs> um, I think that is then a theme throughout my childhood of like, like, did she belong to me? Was I in charge of her? Um that sort of my like more so than like a normal older sister would have like were you parentified i was but i feel like the oldest always is though i think which is fucked up that's it's not supposed to be that way not in the sense of like it's always the dynamic my parents were always there so it's not like they were like those absent parents and like the kids have to raise themselves they were there um but they did give me a my therapist now thinks they gave me too much responsibility um, and treated me like too much like an adult. I kind yeah. of relate to what you said about like, um, like from a very early on, early age, I knew way too much about their relationship. And I thought that was yeah. normal. Um, I knew too much yeah, about so their finances. I. Like I was up to date yeah. on the finances. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Same. Which wasn't normal. No. And it's like, it kind of, you again, don't realize until you're an adult, like that was not okay to put on a kid. Right. Like no way. Right. So but yeah, we learned that this book made me, it made me reach out to a therapist for the first time in years. Cause I haven't been seeing one in a while. Cause my last one like sucked and was like very bad. Yeah. When a therapist so it sucks, of, like, it will ruin everything. Yeah. But I've reached out to a new one. Cause I was like reading this book and I was like having a lot of things come up. And I was like, I just need to probably get back Process into that. It. So, yeah. Thanks, Jeanette. Thanks, Jeanette, you bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess thanks to my parents for not giving me any of that trauma. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're issue free, Archie. <laughs> I mean, by comparison, I was the baby, though. So I was literally like, so you don't have any, babied like, there's nothing, there's nothing that you, you, that came up from reading the book of like, oh, this was not normal in my childhood. Everything no. feels normal and above board in your childhood. No. I mean, there were, like, flashbacks I got from a previous relationship where I just saw, uh, like, parallels, but not as far as, like, family dynamics, interesting. thankfully. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, but- I feel like my biggest thing happened when it was, like, I think it was in her therapy session, and she was like, yeah, well, like, my mom took care of me, and I took care of her, and the therapist was like, yeah, but that was, like, your mom's job. Yeah. Like, 
that was the job she chose having a kid. That wasn't your that wasn't job. That's job. I mean, she yeah. really, and I was like, yeah. Talk about like, I mean, that in itself is child abuse to make your kid oh, think yeah. it's their job to take care of you. Um, you didn't ever have that, Archie? Like, wow. I didn't have anyone to take care of. I mean, I was, I don't think there was a, I was the youngest on like both sides of my family, even when it came to like cousins for years. So like there wasn't even like a younger sibling figure in my life at any point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were Um, almost like an only child. No, honestly, like I relate more to like stories that only children tell more so than like anything else. Cause I mean, there's also a huge age gap between me and my sisters too. It was like eight years and then six years. Mm -hmm. So it's like by the time I hit puberty, they, they were out of the house. Yeah. Like I was an only child at that right. point. Right. They say I'm those jealous. are so different. Healthy childhood. Yeah, I know. I always wanted to be an only child, but I also um like have now the greatest relationship with my sister. So I'm glad she exists. Um, but Archie's situation was always enviable. I was always like, okay, kids who have siblings but they're older and out of the house, that seems ideal. Yeah. Yes and no, because there's also like like I'm still looked at as, like, a child to my entire family. Like, they completely forget how old I am at this point. They completely forget that, like, I have a career. Like, I have a house. Like, I have – I'm an adult, and they kind of forget. So, like, there's a lot of times where they still kind of try to shelter me. And I'm kind of like, this is shit you need to tell me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I can handle it. I'm literally a full-grown adult. Yeah, or, like – my opinion is very rarely taken seriously at mm. any point in time. And it's kind of like my sister's words are always going to come before mine, no matter what is said or done. Mm. So like mm. there's, it's, it's a double ended sword, but it's just, so you do have some issues with your, parents. no, yeah, there's okay. definitely issues, but I mean, nothing that was highlighted in this book by any means. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. No one's, well, no one's childhood is perfect. No. Yeah. <laughs> what was, what was, like your favorite part of the book in terms of like what stood out the most it might have not been like like oh the best part of the book but what stood out um her friendship I think with Miranda Cosgrove Mm. was like I don't know that stood out to me as like such a bright spot in the book just because like it felt like that was maybe the only person she had where she could feel like herself because again I think a lot of the book was about like when you have someone kind of controlling who you are and you're always trying to impress them like you don't really get to form your own identity so I feel like that's when she got to be like an adolescent and kind of be on her own when they were like doing their sleepovers and stuff yeah so I really I loved reading about that and I was sad to read that they're not as close anymore but that happens right in your in your 20s and 30s but they'll always have that bond and yeah Miranda was so there for her there were all those moments of like you know she knew she had she had trouble with food and so she'd be there for her in ways that she needed. Yeah, like going to the bathroom with yeah, her. She knew it. Like yeah. yeah. Which like if it went like a touch farther could be a codependent relationship, but she just knew Jeanette needed this person in her life because she didn't have yeah. anyone else. Um, and it's like before it becomes a point of codependence, it's like just the right amount of dependence where you can depend on your friends. Um, and so that was cool to see. Well, and the way she talked about her, too, it almost sounded like Miranda gets brought up probably a lot in therapy. Right. Mm Because, like, she kind of played devil's advocate a lot with Miranda. Like, how she was like, we 
never hugged like a lot of friends do. Yeah. But that's just how our dynamic was or like how she acknowledged how Miranda would kind of pay attention to what she was eating, but she wouldn't do it in the same way other people would. Right. People um, were so... I thought it was interesting. She didn't really discuss other peers, like the other guy that was on the show with them or like any of the other Nickelodeon stars that I'm sure they were forced to interact with. She talked with a little a bit with. about Ariana Grande, which was interesting. Yeah. It's like her two her only two like co-stars ever were pretty much like the only two people she had anything to say about like that's like it it really goes back to like this is their job like this is like these aren't necessarily their friends these are like their yeah. work friends like can you imagine like writing a book and then having like major chapters play out about like two co-workers from when you were a teenager <laughs> I mean, like, can you, I can't even name the last names of everyone that I worked with when I was in like that. And that's what age. she said also, like, your identity isn't supposed to be what you were when you were 13, 14. Like, imagine yeah. if who or you were you then is what people saw you as when they saw you on the street and they were like, saw, you know, the 13 version of you. Yeah. Well, that's what, um, not to bring up Taylor Swift, but like, I think in her documentary, she's like, people always see you as the age you got famous at. Yeah. Which is, but I mean, not so no, it's, true. Uh, she said it was, uh, you, you tend to like stop growing and like seeing yourself older than that age. Yeah. So like, if you become famous at like 16, you always see yourself as a 16 year old. Yeah. I mean, I think you just get stunted developmentally. So they say at whatever age you get famous, which is, if, I mean, if that's true, I've heard so many people say that, but I've never heard a a scientist or a doctor um, or a psychologist even say it. So I don't know how true it is, but I, I believe that Taylor Swift like feels that way. Obviously, it's it's valid. Whatever she feels is valid. Um, and same with Jeanette. Like, um, she had that stunted thing because of becoming a child star and, you know, way before she was famous, she was doing spots on X-Files and all that stuff. So she was like, once you're in front of the camera and working, you're not a kid anymore. You don't get to be a kid. You're a working person without a childhood. Um, uh, so that, that level of stunted, but then also the level of stunted of once she did get famous, then, you know, on another level, and the abuse of her mom intentionally trying to keep her stunted in every way imaginable. Literally not letting her eat calories. It would go from like zero to hundred. Like one minute she was treating Jeanette like a full-fledged adult, like to an inappropriate level to like literally stunting her growth. It was like she was either being treated like a 12-year-old or a 40-year-old. That's a good observation and, and part of the trauma. I didn't even, I didn't, clock that i did but i didn't put it together that that those extremes are are really like upsetting for a child i feel like i can relate not on like nowhere near as dramatic but like expected to be an adult before you feel ready to be an adult and also like still oh like archie was saying like no one sees me as no one takes me seriously no one sees me as an adult people still see me as a baby um and that frustration of like am I supposed to be an adult? You're so young and you're like, am I supposed to be an adult with responsibilities or am I a baby? And which will they love more? I feel like Jeanette would have to wonder of her mom, like, who am I, who the hell am I supposed to be? Whose approval will I get? 
I mean, and then she can't like, like, how am I supposed think to about who she actually is. Right. She has no idea. She. That's why it makes. I mean, it makes so much so much sense that she got into alcohol so hard um, mm-hmm. because she never got a chance to know who she is. Um, she had fame, and she had her mom preventing her from um, from getting those answers. Yeah. What stood out to you guys? I was um, fascinated by her journey, her her food journey, but from anorexia to bulimia and that trajectory um, because she was so starved her entire, I guess, starting when she was 11, I think they said, like she was restricting calories like crazy um, and learned that food is something scarce that you can't have. And then after, I think it was after her mom died, or maybe it was still when her mom was alive. I think it was the phase after her mom died. She didn't have anyone regulating her intake anymore. And she was, you know, you get that, like her relationship with food then suddenly was like, I can't let it out of my sight. I need it. Once she got that idea for a cheeseburger, like she had to have it because she spent so many years not getting to have anything. And so I'd never quite seen that trajectory of anorexia, like just gliding into a bulimic habit. Um, And I found the way she described her bulimia really complicated and interesting. And I know a lot about eating disorders. I like when I was her age, everyone in school had an eating disorder and we were always talking about, you know, who had what type of eating disorder, but I have never heard bulimia described in such a, um, out of control. Like I will eat and throw up on purpose to make myself feel better. Like not just that, Oh no, I feel like I've eaten too much and now I have to make myself throw up, but instead being like, I haven't eaten yet, but I'm going to plan. Here's the plan. I'm going to eat and I'm going to make myself throw up. And that will make me just feel better doing that process. Not just the purging part, but that the binging and the purging are part of the same ritual um, of of calming your nerves and and, um, evening yourself out. Regulating yourself is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I think I, she mentioned of like, that was kind of the only thing that she felt like gave her control Yes, that she knew she could control. And like, yeah, that stuff, again, hard to read. I was like working with a nutritional therapist for some like eating stuff like a year or two ago. And like a lot of the stuff she was writing, I was like, these are like the exact things we would talk about. And like, it's just... I can't imagine though being on the level of like being a child star and from when you're like was she like 10 or 11 that her mom taught her about like oh you just eat like lettuce or whatever like that's so fucked up and like I can't imagine that scale of it because it just that was it was such a huge part of her life from when she was so so right being encouraged to have an eating disorder And her mom being like, let me tell you about this cool thing called calorie restriction. Yeah. And it's like, she looks up to her mom and her mom's making it sound so great. Like, absolutely I mean, not. that's insane of her mother, like, 
don't you have an urge to any urge to protect your daughter or any urge to, you know, any worry that something would be unhealthy for her? Because like, I remember when I was like 12 and I started dieting and restricting calories and like, you know, being obsessive about my body, my mom was really concerned and like took me to a doctor to make the doctor tell me how important it was to eat. And, you know, my mom didn't want me to be in bad health. So like, that seems like a normal response. Whereas like Jeanette's mom is like, yeah, do it. I don't really care about the health repercussions. Well, in her mom's head, I think being an actress and to be an actress in that time, especially being like thin was the thing, like that would be the best thing for Jeanette. Like, Way more her than health, her whatever. health. Right. Yeah. So I think in her mom's head, she thought, she didn't think she was protecting her, but she thought she was like doing something good for her maybe. Right. Because she wanted like, to be an I, actress and she wasn't allowed yeah. to be an actress, which is very yeah. silly. I wanted to be an actress and wasn't allowed to be an actress, but that does not mean I'm going to go forcing my kids to follow their you know the pursuit that they don't want to do of acting that's just a crazy logic like I didn't get to do it so I'm gonna make my child do it what really stuck out to me though was like her she seemed to have like a very black and white approach to good and bad yes like this person is either a good person or a bad person this action is either a good thing or a bad thing and there's never really an in-between. Like, kind of going back to her relationship with Ariana, like, she spoke in a handful of chapters about how she was, her and all the Nickelodeon stars were kind of pitted against each other a lot. But then it got to, like, the chapters about Ariana, and it was like, she almost, it seemed like she didn't really understand that a lot of the things she was describing that Ariana did, it kind of sounded like it was just producers pitting them against each other. Yeah, I like there was never a that. single thing that Ariana actually did to her. Yeah, it didn't of course like. not, because I don't think Ariana yeah. was a bitch or anything. She just there was like big jealousy issues from Jeanette, and yes, I do think they were pitted against each other. But also, um, I think like Jeanette was just describing, Ariana had everything that she didn't have. She was the perfect candidate to be jealous of. When I remember at the time when Sam and Cat like came out. Because, I mean, that came out, like, the same time her music career kind of started blowing up. Yeah. I remember thinking it was weird that she signed on to do another Nickelodeon show when she was doing, like, not Nickelodeon music. Like, she was doing, like, top 40 radio she hits. She was being a pop star. She was growing as a pop star. Well, she didn't – but she didn't have to do the whole thing, like – she didn't have to do, like, the Miley Can't Be Tamed era to, like, step away from Nickelodeon. Like Yeah, she was immediately – like, I think she was on Nickelodeon when Side to Side came out. And she was like, yeah, it's about, like – a big dig and then you can't walk the next day and like she was still on Nickelodeon I think which is insane that's like yeah you're right she got a lot of leeway and maybe because it was like a little bit of a later time I think it was just because it was Nickelodeon yeah which I think yeah I think they believe well no one really has come become huge like household names out of Nickelodeon except for like her and Amanda Bynes like I can't think of another like mainstream person yeah so they were just like we've never had to deal with this so like let her do what she wants I guess yeah it's like we've never had a famous person it's like we're getting viewers we're not getting hate mail so YOLO I'm sure they were getting tons of hate mail but it was worth it yeah maybe I mean if it's bringing in more viewers Ariana has had so much work done on her face like what she looked like 
then. <laughs> Good for her. Versus now. Yeah. yeah. I, if I could afford it, I would not look like this. Next time I do the podcast, she would be like, who is that? I agree. I would look different every single time. I would change my face more than I changed my clothes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I would I just would, always would want something far, new. But my least favorite thing, though, is when people criticize other people for getting plastic surgery. Like, please let people do what they want to do with their face. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? I don't know what the huge stigma is obviously like ideally you'd love your face and love yourself but like we don't live in an ideal world I don't know why but people, we don't yeah <laughs> I don't know why people want to police yeah. how other like so it's like ew gross I can't believe she did that to her face it's like well maybe she was very unhappy with the way she looked like do you have any compassion for that I don't know that's kind of a hot take but just like let people get plastic surgery I think it also comes from a level of jealousy too like I need to I feel the need to remind people that this person used to be ugly when they had a different nose right or like just jealous that they can't themselves afford plastic surgery perhaps and then they're like wow this person fixed something and now they genuinely look better and I know some people take it too far and look very very weird but why are we making fun of those people why are we putting those people down like oh Joan Rivers she looks so weird she's had way too much plastic surgery she lives in a society first of all where that's the pressure to keep going. And two, she looks weird. Do we make fun of other people who look weird who don't have plastic surgery? No, so, it's not. It's like unkind. Opinion, I love like the overly plastic surgery look on old women. I do too. Uh-oh. Jessica just got kicked out. It's, and now you're gone. It's Chaos Monster. No. Are you back? I'm back. No, you're you're still gone. Just me by myself. No, Archie, I'm here. Yep. So like I have unpopular opinion. I kind of like it when that like overly like plastic surgery look on old yes. women. Like how do you mean like, like Chris Jenner like No. Like okay. older? I'm talking like Joan Rivers. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Or like Angeline. Uh, Dolly Parton. Yeah. Oh, like, Dolly Parton looks great though. I want I want senior citizens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to start getting plastic surgery, like minor stuff. I'm not talking about like big stuff, but um, like as young as possible so that it ages well with you. Do you know what I'm do you know what I mean? I feel like that's a hot take and is going to be used against me one day. Um, but it's like if if you're 50 and all of a sudden you get a facelift, it's shocking for people and it's very um, you can end up looking weird. But if you gradually get little things done all along the way, all of a sudden you're 60, 70, and that's just how you look. Um, and sometimes it... No, I want that weird. <laughs> I want that shock moment. Archie. Where people are like expecting like this troll to walk through the door and then like I come through and they just like wet their pants. I want you've that. Had, you've had all kinds of plastic <laughs> surgery. What would you get done? No, it's because I watched too many... It's because I watched too many like 90s teen movies where like someone had a makeover and like came back and had like that I'm the new kid in school look but like you want that moment yeah yeah I always want that moment um but but would you want that doesn't sound like you'd want to look weird then you'd want to look um like it won't look weird it'll look hot I know but you're saying you like you like old (laughs) like old lady weird you wouldn't want that for yourself is what you're saying well it depends on my age like at their at joan river's age like i don't give a fuck you want to look like i'm gonna care what i look like but i'm gonna 
I want to look like Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. When I'm that age. I think age. you will. I really think you will. I think you will too. Although if if like men get facelifts, does that give them a receding hairline? I've never heard that. Because like I how, don't know where is it lift to. Well, the sides. Like, this, do they cut the excess skin off, or is it like do they just no, like they pull have, everything? No, it's like not even it, down into it's not even stamp. like with your forehead. It's right here, I believe. Yeah, they pull everything. They pull up. everything up. Here. Oh, like the the face tape the drag exactly. queens use. Yeah. It's like that. Cute. Yeah. And then they cut off the extra skin. Yeah, I would do that now. You'd get that now. Cool. Yeah. I've um been consulting with a plastic surgeon. Um because <laughs> I've Flips been... hair. What? Flips hair. Yeah. You know. Uh it's not super expensive. Like the thing I want to get done. Like it's not like a I'm not like going on like the swan or whatever that right. show was. <gasps> I'm looking at like um Unlocked yeah. memory. chin like liposuction okay area. okay but i want that too because like right see i saw a tiktok about it like and it i gained like, like 20 pounds depending on which direction my face goes same <laughs> and i want to look better in photos and i'm not ashamed to be like yeah i want to spend a little bit of money to look better in Absol- photos. absolutely absolutely <laughs> like, oh my god same yeah it's well that's why i gained weight at first too as you would think i thought it would be like thirty thousand yeah. dollars it's not that. how much is it um, they quoted me twenty eight hundred. Oh, that's it. Yeah, for like the local anesthesia for the entire thing, all the follow up. Oh my god, so easy to do that. If you get it, will you tell me because I might actually. Yeah. Like, Full fledged serious. Like I did not realize it was that cheap. That's what I'm saying. That's why I was like, I'm consulting with one, and you guys were like, ha, and it's like, no, it's like I, it's not. What no, you I. Think. I- no, I was curious to see what you were going to say. Consult with plastic- <laughs> I consult oh. like, with plastic surgeons all the time because of my stupid scar that I have on my face. So every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then I'll be like, can anybody fix this? And then they're like, yeah, it's going to be $3,000. And I'm like, okay, I'll wait a little bit. <laughs> like, never mind. Yeah. It's just a, t- it's a Maybe tiny little Maybe just come to scar. Austin. Yeah. It might be like LA prices are probably a little bit more than I know, like Beverly Hills. That's, I don't know what. Yeah, but I'd probably trust someone in LA to do it more. Oh, than, same. Like, yeah, if Arkansas. I can go. <laughs> no, yeah. but Austin is different than Arkansas. I feel like Austin has perfectly fine plastic surgeons. Arkansas, I wouldn't be. Yeah, so there's sure. some pretty good ones. Yeah, I'm just on instinct alone, just not going to trust a plastic surgeon in Arkansas. This, I'm sure there are yeah. great ones, but I just don't feel like accidentally picking the wrong. We'll one. come to Austin and we'll all do it. <laughs> oh my God, can we get bestie chins? <laughs> yeah. I am fine with my chin, but what about my lips? Can I get them more? Like I keep getting lip filler, but it's not, it's never yeah. enough. Like I want to look like Jennifer Coolidge, like Lana Del Lana yes. Del Rey in the beginning. Like I want my upper lip to look like it was stung by multiple bees. Um, that's what yes. I want. So while you guys get your chins okay. done, that's what, yeah. what I will get. Absolutely. Perfect. I love Perfect. it. I'm so excited for this like Holy Swift uh what's our podcast Chaos Monster um meetup now. <laughs> yeah, same. Who would have thought when we started Holy Swift that we'd all three be getting plastic surgery? <laughs> I didn't even know you guys. <laughs> I mean, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Try to tell us you're not the third co-host now. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm retired. I mean, Archie, Archie, this is more just a- heard it here first. Holy Swift is over officially. Archie's just trying to trick this you into exclusive. Being, being our third uh, host, which I don't know why we need a third host. You- I've been trying to trick her before I tricked you into being the host. 
curious. That's true. Um, I don't think you need a third host either. I think you guys are I, enough. And like, too much sun when you say. have. <laughs> yeah, so you don't need another one. Archie could probably do this by himself, just just talking. <laughs> Although the technical delays of adding like a fourth like guest for Absolutely like three hosts not. already like that just sounds like, like it a is nightmare. a nightmare i think we also talked about this last time too where we all like have anxiety and depression yeah so like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll never be able to schedule it there's multiple episodes about that <laughs> like yeah. unholy swift and chaos yeah Monster. i just don't think it would yeah. work you need to find like a healthy person yeah if if you're gonna if you're if we're gonna get a third person it needs to be someone who knows how to do all the technical stuff and doesn't suffer from anxiety or depression so so scott Scott. (laughs) imagine if he if he um so now that holy swift is over i'm gonna become the new jessica and do a podcast with a married couple yeah yeah Yeah, i it's really i do want to have him on as a guest because i think you guys would have an interesting conversation Maybe we can like tap into the straight white man like market by having him on there because the, at that point there'd be like more men on the show than women. Right. Yeah. And I can be like the new Joe Rogan, but like less problematic <laughs> or more problematic. <laughs> I was really hoping Jessica would be back by now, but she's not. Wait, I'm here. I know you're. I know you're here, but it says you're offline. Oh. Is this going to be like how it was last time where me and you were talking over her and she's like, wait, it's can only her the Zara hear me? She's like, guys, guys, I'm here. I I'm can here. hear her. And we're like, okay, whenever Jessica gets back. I can hear her now. You can't hear her? I can't hear her. Oh, my God. See, he couldn't hear you this earlier. Is, this is so fun. <laughs> At this point, it's tradition. I love it. Um I think we should wrap up anyway because Jessica said she has to go at 630. Um, so... Yeah. This has been awesome and chaotic. I hope we have I hope I can salvage some of it. <laughs> if not, there's nothing. Thanks, Jessica, for being on. Thanks, Jessica, for being oh, on. Oh, no problem. You'll hear um, me later. Yeah. Uh cool. And if it all is fucked up, we can do it again. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, Archie, do you want to say bye? Yeah, bye. Bye. Oh, follow us on everything. Maybe we should like plug. Oh my god. Okay. Um, I'm at Zara Lisbon. No, I'm at I'm not Zara Lisbon on Instagram and I'm at Zara Lisbon on Twitter. If you have to rewind that to to get it, I, I apologize. Archie. I'm dear Archie on everything. What's Jessica's username? I'm nothing. I'm I don't I have a private Instagram and I don't use Twitter. Wow. She's the unheard of thing. <laughs> and I don't have a podcast. Okay, it's anymore, Jess so. Zalesk on instagram or go listen to her podcast me and zara have both been We've on both it both been on it it's like thousands of times it's a, it's a great Holy podcast Swift. i love that you can't hear me archie especially now that it's canceled so like y'all can like catch up on it very very quickly <laughs> there's like only like 400 episodes or something we'll do a reunion tour at 25 or something i think that's it okay thanks for coming jessica bye